Hello and welcome to Plan B, a podcast about all the latest news and updates related to citizenship by investment by CS Global Partners, a London headquartered legal government advisory and marketing firm. My name is Aisha Mohammed and I'm your host. In our last episode, we spoke with Natasha Jones, who talked to us about the changes to Dominique's Citizenship by Investment program announced by the government in July. These changes expand the definition of dependents and offer applicants a chance to include more eligible family members under Dominique's CBI program. You can catch up on the episode and others by subscribing to Plan B on Spotify or iTunes. You can also find an episode breakdown on our website at www.csglobalpartners.com under the resources section. Today's episode will be the first of a three-part series on CBI developers in Dominica. We'll be talking about Dominica's first CBI-approved real estate project, Kempinski Hotel, and how investors and the island benefit from it. But first, some CBI highlights and updates from this week. The Prime Minister of Dominica, Roosevelt Skerritt, recently presented the country's budget for the 2020-21 fiscal year. The budget outlined that the government will be building another 450 homes using funds from its successful Citizenship by Investment program. It also said that half a million dollars will be set aside from CBI and other sources for emergencies. Forbes published an article on how the pandemic has shifted the importance of hard copy documents. The article looks at the long history of passports and how we could soon see the introduction of medical data attached to the document. Data estimates from the private entity New World Wealth have shown that around 4,000 South African HNWIs have left the country in the last decade, with numbers expected to continue growing. And those are this week's updates. On today's show, we welcome Mohamed Asaria, the Managing Director and Board Member of Range Developments, an international hospitality development company that develops luxury resorts in the Eastern Caribbean, thanks in some part to the funds received through local citizenship by investment programs. Mohamed is also a frequent contributor on CBI and related topics in a number of media channels. So welcome to Plan B, Mohamed. How are you doing? We're speaking to you from Dubai, actually, right? Correct. So thank you very much, Aisha, for inviting us to join your podcast today. Um, I am based in Dubai and I've been based here for the last 15 years and a pleasure to speak to you. Great. So let's just get started. Kempinski Hotels is Europe's oldest luxury hotel group. Based in Geneva, it now operates more than 75 five-star hotels in 31 countries. What made Dominica an appealing choice for range developments and for the Kempinski brand? Thank you. So I was first invited to the island of Dominica in 2014. And really, it was love at first sight. Dominica is an incredible island. It offers a very different experience for the luxury traveler. Um, You know, there's all sorts of hiking activities, all sorts of water-based activities. Um, It really provides the luxury traveler a very different opportunity than your typical Caribbean vacation of a lazy beach holiday. Um, There's so much more to do, um, which really is something which has appealed to us, appealed to the Kempinski brand, 
and appealed to the tourists. Our Park Hyatt Hotel in St. Kitts was opened in 2017. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's built to the highest standard. I mean, CNN named it as one of the best new hotels in the Caribbean. It's on Condé Nast top 100 hotels globally. Our Kempinski Hotel in Dominica received similar reviews, um, whether that's from Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal, which put it on its 2020 bucket list. Um, and, you know, we've already reopened the hotel in Dominica. We reopened on the 15th of July. We're looking forward to the international air flights coming back in from the 7th of August. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been attracting tourists regionally, and um, we hope it continues to, to do so. You know, Dominica, as with St. Kitts and Grenada, has a second citizenship program, which is enshrined in the relevant countries' um, laws. And Dominica's second citizenship program has become one of the leaders globally. Um, it offers global mobility, it offers great investment opportunities, and more so it's a very efficient and cost-effective way of providing that security for you and your family's future. How has the Cabrets Resort and Spa Kempinski impacted the tourism industry in Dominica? And what changes has it brought? So if you look, Kempinski has really put Dominica's tourism industry on the map. Having a, one of the world's leading luxury brands, as you described, with 75 five-star hotels over 31 countries. And in fact, Kempinski is Europe's oldest luxury hotel group. So we were very proud um, to partner with them and the fact that they, their first hotel in the Caribbean is in the lovely island of Dominica. Um, has meant a lot for the island of Dominica. It's really put it on the map in the eyes of the luxury tourist. And, you know, that's something which I think will bode well for Dominica's tourism industry going forward. Um, in terms of other benefits, obviously, there's been employment, direct and indirect. Um, the level of hospitality training that we've engaged has been significant. Um, and that's not something which you do on opening day. That's something you do for 12 months prior to opening day. So there's been a lot of engagement with the local community on training, as well as a lot of engagement with local businessmen, local entrepreneurs, and a number of them supply produce to the, to the hotel and other services. The vision and the philosophy is definitely um, to buy locally first. Um, and then only we look, we look overseas. Um, so you've seen benefits across the island, not just in the town of Portsmouth, where Dominica is based. We have tour operators from whether it's Salisbury or Roseau, vendors from, from the south of the country. Um, so the impact is really being felt across the island, which is so pleasing to see. The Cabritz Resort and Spa Kempinski in Dominica was the first CBI approved real estate project on the island. So what does this mean for it and its investors? So we were privileged to be invited to develop by the government of Dominica. And I think it was 2015, we entered into our development agreement with the government in the same year. We started construction in 16 and we opened the hotel in 2019. Um, so I'm very proud of my construction and design um, divisions that they were able to achieve that milestone, notwithstanding two, um, two pretty serious natural disasters with Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria. In the intervening period, we were able to open on the 3rd of November, um, which coincides with Dominica's Independence Day in the year 2019. So we were the first approved project and the first to open, um, which, I think is, uh, which I think has been great. A lot of individuals have trusted range developments, have trusted Dominica's citizenship program, and obviously the Kempinski brand added to that, added to that kudos. Um, but, you know, we, we have a reputation of delivery, whether that's in St. Kitts, Dominica, and, and, now, in, and now in Grenada. So I hope that says a little bit about us and, and Dominica.
Can you give us a quick rundown of the investment process for listeners wanting a better idea on how to be involved with the project? In terms of an investor who wants to be involved in the, in the project, once they've made the decision to proceed, um, they're investing in a real estate investments trust structure, which owns a relevant hotel. So whether they choose our project in St. Kitts, Dominica or Grenada, there's a separate development um, trust structure in, in each case. They're acquiring one unit in that real estate investment trust structure. They pay the deposit, which is 10% of the investment amount. The investment amount is 220,000. Um, subsequently, they fill in all the forms, submit their citizenship application form bundled to the citizenship by investment unit in the relevant country. They pay the, the due diligence fees required at the outset. And then a period of three to four months later, the citizenship by investment unit makes an adjudication on that individual's background and hopefully decides to award them with citizenship. At that stage, the investor is required to pay the balance and 90%, as well as the government fees, which is stipulated in the laws to be paid upon approval. Um, the relevant investor needs to keep that asset for the next five years in accordance with the law of the relevant island. And thereafter, he may sell that unit to another investor who also wishes to apply for citizenship whilst the original investor maintains his citizenship in perpetuity. So there is a clear path to exit on the investment. During the life of the investment, the investor obtains a cash flow, a yield based on the hotel's performance. So it's not only, it's not only a financial yield, but in addition, the investor is entitled to spend a period of time at the resort, which permits him with some very nice benefits. What steps could be taken to ensure that real estate developments are built to the spec and time frame that is expected of them? Aisha, that's a really relevant question. And I think very pertinent to investors in the citizenship by investment sector. As range, when we embark on a project, we first of all make sure it's executable. So we do all our design, we do all our feasibility, um, and we ensure that the, the end product has the ability to materialize before we even go out and start marketing it to investors who are looking for a second citizenship option. Um, you know, in fact, it was about a month ago, I wrote a piece on this, which was published in one of the industry periodicals, which was entitled Eight Ironclad Rules for Investors Who Don't Wish to Lose Money on Caribbean Citizenship Projects. And really, a lot of them just come down to common sense. Make sure that the developer has enough equity in the game. Make sure the developer owns the land. Make sure the developer knows how to build. A beach is far from a benign development or building environment. Um, you know, the Caribbean islands are wonderful and enchanting places, but, you know, you have to recognize that not very much is made locally. And in terms of the local construction workforce, experience in building five-star hotels is indeed limited. So, uh, I mean, if you look at the Kempinski or the, the Six Senses, which we're currently developing, there's half a million, 500,000 individual items which need to be procured from that hotel from 2,000 suppliers. I mean, that is a logistical nightmare. And I have a fantastic team which manage that um, all the way through, but it needs experience. And, you know, it's not, it's not all about just having a well-known brand or putting up a structure. Anyone can put up a structure, concrete structure. That's only 20 or 25%, maximum 30% of a project. Always look inside that box and ask the common sense questions. If someone's telling you this hotel is opening next year, can you see the mechanical installations? Can you see the electrical work? Can you see the plumbing? It's not just all about seeing nice glossy pictures, um, which, is, uh, which is unfortunately way, a lot of the way the marketing is done. Um, ask developers, 
You know, are you recruiting staff? What is your training policy? A general manager for a first time developer must be on site 18 months before. So if someone is saying to you that we're opening next year, ask them to see the CV of the general manager, ask them to see the CV of the director of sales and marketing. Try and even book a hotel online because hotel engine bookings open six to nine months beforehand. Um, and even ask to see designs. Ask if someone's saying they're opening next year, ask them to show you the, the mechanical design or the electrical design or the finishing design um, and really quiz the developer on some of these basics. And then I think you will be able to decide very easily whether that's a project which is intended to complete or that's a project which is going to have difficulty completing because the individuals at the helm lack the necessary experience um, whether and, and resources, whether technically or financially. How has the Kempinski implemented climate resilient practices in Dominica? So, you know, that actually follows on from the last question. So we know Dominica is subject to certain or prone to certain natural challenges in terms of windstorms. If you visit the Kempinski, you'll see that the hotel is built to comply with all international standards. In terms of windstorm, it's designed to comply with Miami-Dade Category 5, the highest level of international protection as far as windstorms are concerned. And whether that's the choice of our roof tiles, whether that's the thickness of our glass or the choice of other materials, all of that has really been thought out um, and there is no substitute to that. Yes, it's super, there's, a, there's, a, there's an added cost to all of that, but if we're building something sustainable, which will stand the test of time, all of that needs to be done. I mean, adding to that, for example, if you see our site in St. Kitts, we had to raise the site um, by I think it's close to, by close to a meter and a half to ensure that if there was a storm surge or a one in a hundred year storm, that our project would not be wiped out. And again, it's all about building something which can stand the test of time. Um, the foundations have been designed to comply with all the seismic codes. Um, in terms of renewables, if you look at the roofs, the buildings in Kempinski, um, there's some solar power heaters on there or so solar panels on there. And it's not just in terms of climate resilient practices, the whole concept of sustainability is built into the ethos of our hotel operators. And that can really be seen in some micro things. For example, no one's using those single-use plastic disposable shower, shower gel bottles anymore. Um, you buy the soap from the local community and fill up permanent response, uh, dispensers. So it's also all about reducing the wastage that the hotel produces as well. Those are all our questions. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate all of your insight. This concludes our sixth episode of season two. If you have any topics or questions you'd like for us to discuss on Plan B, let us know and we'll be happy to have an expert address your concerns. Next Wednesday, we'll be back with the second part of the series, Developers in Dominica, with Gregor Nassif talking to us a little bit more about Secret Bay, a CBI-funded eco-luxury tourism estate in Dominica. Until then, if you have any questions about CBI or would like to find out more, please visit www.csglobalpartners.com. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Audio